0: Hi, everybody. This is the Healing the City podcast. I am Jessica Dennis here with Pastor Eric Siepen in Tucson, Arizona.
1: Yeah, Yeah. so I want to go back to uh, you just kind of maybe taking us a little bit through how you kind of were wrestling with where's my place when it comes to being, um, you know, a Latina and also even being different in that community, right? Mm-hmm. And, and and you know, the community not necessarily fully defining who you are mm-hmm. and that struggle um, and, and just maybe being in this community and how that can separate you when you begin to talk about it. Yeah. And I don't know, just maybe we could talk a little bit about what's on your mind on that kind of, You can take us to that you process. I know <laughs> I do that. I'm working on it.
0: Um. um. Pick well, one one, <laughs> one thing you talked about, and this was probably a year ago when the, gosh, was it a year? I don't know. It was a few months ago, but um, the El Paso shootings happened. Yeah. And I definitely felt like I have no one to talk to about this in my church community. Hmm. Um, I had people that I could call that weren't in Tucson and people, some people in Tucson that I could like share it with. But um, yeah, I just, I didn't feel like I could talk about that here.
1: And why why did you not think you could talk about it?
0: Um, I, I talked about things in the past and got felt burned. Mm. Uh, like, um, people disagreed with me. Uh, they thought I was making political statements, I think, and Mm. disagreed with me. Um, when it was like, no, I'm I'm sharing like my heart here and I'm trying to be vulnerable and share like my fears. um, or like I'll, um, yeah, I'll share something and it just falls on deaf ears sometimes where like people don't, don't
1: know how to interact with it or,
0: uh, yeah, or they've never thought about it in that way.
1: Can, can you give me an One example? example? Yeah. Is, that would be um,
0: helpful. Someone talked about like visibly seeing Jesus mm-hmm. and I was like, what color was his skin? <laughs> Because I'm, I'm genuinely curious, like, if you believe that you're seeing Jesus, you know, right. does he appear to you the way that you would be most comfortable? Or does he appear what might be his- more historically accurate? Things like that. And it just turned, like, way sour. I was like, I'm sorry. Like, this was not the place to ask that question. Wow. Um, And... Yeah. And so when it came to El Paso, I I did talk to the two leaders that were leading my my Bible study pilgrim group. Um and they they like prayed for me about it, but they're yeah, they're just um I didn't find people that were as outraged as I was mm. and scared as I was. Right. Yeah.
1: Interesting. And can you talk to me a little bit about the the fear?
0: Yeah. Um
1: And the outrage? Like can you can you just well,
0: for that that event specifically,
1: can uh, you maybe just for people? I mean, I right. know everybody knows, but it's best that we at least explain yeah. it a little bit. Uh,
0: this man um, last year. I'm I'm already like foggy on the details, That's but a- he specifically traveled from. I think it was Allen, Texas, or or that might be another shooting. But he he traveled from a different city in Texas. Hours away, he traveled to El Paso specifically to target Mexicans because he felt that they were invading the country. And El Paso is, it's a border town. And so people that look Latino, people that are, that look Mexican are like U.S. citizens. You know, right. it's a border town. Right. Um, so he went to Walmart and he just started shooting there. Um, and... Yeah, it was in, it was incredibly scary because up to that point, there wasn't that mass shooting speci- where
1: it was targeting Hispanics
0: specifically targeting Mexican people, right? Um, and for no other reason than you do not belong in this country, right? So I'm I'm gonna kill you. Right. Um, so it was just scary. It, the, I you know I. To be very honest, after the 2016 election, I felt very scared uh, about people feeling like they had a license now to do these type of things mm-hmm. um, and feeling like they could target people and, and not that it was like good, but that it was justified mm. because this there was this voice now saying like, yeah, yeah, they're bad. Mm. Um, and so... El Paso happened and just confirmed all those fears for me and you know just the idea like you you hear some of the stories like um, this one guy just dropped his mom off and was circling the parking lot and that's when it happened Um, I don't know if his mom was killed but in the the story of like two people shielding their shielding their baby um, and then they were both killed um. So yeah, like these senseless deaths, because one man was given this voice and given the—I f- don't want to say freedom, but just
1: what was perceived, and it and and because of the culture created, it seems.
0: Yeah, that's and that's what it seems like. And you could argue with me that no, this is just a radical and whatever, but the the reality is, it happened and. He specifically yeah. targeted Mexicans. Um, so it was scary. It was scary going to any public place. For like a day, I was like, am I just supposed to stay at home? And I love my husband for this because I, I talked to him and I was like, I don't know if I was crying or, or what. But I told him, like, I I don't know what to do. Like, I don't want to take my son anywhere mm. um, because, like, what's going to happen? And he said, well, this that's terrorism. And... You know, I after 9-11 in 2001, you heard the word terrorism, but you don't really I had never fully experienced it. I was, you know, I was young when 9-11 happened. And so there wasn't that fear that someone was going to come to my hometown and and throw an airplane, like drop an airplane on a building. But yeah, I, I felt that after El Paso. I felt that terror. Um, and he said, this is the goal of terrorism. It's to do something so that you would be so afraid to go out and to live your life. Um, and so so you just don't, and that's the goal. Mm-hmm. And so once I realized that, um, I've, I felt a little bit better in, in knowing, like, right. Um, there's no game in, like, they win or I win. It's not about that. It's about, like, just being very aware of like this was the intention and I can't live my life according to that intention.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that seems like it produces a lot of anxiety and, and uncertainty about where you fit even. Yeah. In a sense.
0: Well, yeah. And it definitely like, I think it also causes you to not trust your neighbor. Mm. Um, like anyone that just looks at you suspiciously you just you just don't know and so um even walking around my neighborhood, I was like, what's and anything could just happen here like right. because someone here decides I don't belong here right yeah
1: right and you know I think what I hear you saying and you can correct me on this, but there's there's this yes, so when I experience, Something like hearing about El Paso, I think, well, I really don't want to go to Walmart because that's scary. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think, uh, so there's some scare, fear, right? Because it's terrorism. Somebody Mm -hmm. went into a place and started shooting and that could happen anywhere. Yeah. And so there's that anxiety for me, mostly for my kids or for, you know, oh, my wife could have been there, that kind of thing. But what is added to that, that's where you kind of feel isolated and alone and maybe not where you can find like a voice where you're like, oh, you understand the depth of this is Mm -hmm. that it's this next level is that somebody came and targeted you in particular people who um, look like you. Mm -hmm. And so it was a specific thing. And, and that has sort of this insidiousness to it uh, that isolates you. Um, And so I, I don't know, but I think people like what happens at least people's pushback, I suspect, to you is, well, I'm experiencing the same thing, Mm -hmm. right? Right. And I don't think that's true. They have some fear. They're experiencing that. That's that's genuine. But I guess my question then, all of that is just like, okay, so how do we step forward with you? How do we, how do I, how does anyone kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, walk with you and walk with others in that?
0: Yeah, I... I don't know, I don't know the answer exactly, but I do know that if you don't have that same experience with me, then understand that I have that experience and don't diminish it. Right. Right. So trying to say like, well, I'm feeling that too and I have the same fear. Like, yeah, but I also have this extra level For it, Um, especially like I remember thinking, like my family's in a border town. That could have been Brownsville. Right. That could have been Brownsville, and my mom could have been at that Walmart. You know, like, um, it just became so real. Yes. And yeah, and so I think asking how do we come alongside? How does someone come alongside me? It's um, really listening and hearing that, and not trying to talk me out of it or like I said, diminish it, but just really just accepting that there's this other level that you Mm. don't have. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we kind of went down this road because I was asking kind of Mm -hmm. maybe you wrestling with deciding that you might have, that God might be inviting you to have a voice to speak about both um, the Hispanic experience or the the Latina experience or that whole thing or, um, but also trying to find your place in the community itself like who are you what is uh, does that make sense like
0: yeah i was um just wrestling with like what am i supposed to do here what is my actual responsibility hmm. um because we you and i had talked about you know in the interim between last podcast and today like uh me talking to you about how like i I am not the voice for Latinos. I am not the sole representative. And so what I say um, should not be interpreted as I have all the answers for this entire section of the globe. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, And so part of me wrestling with that is something I've wrestled with um, for a lot of my life of what is my actual role in educating educating people who don't experience this um so when i was a sociology major in college learning all about this um and experiencing it firsthand uh i you know i just remember the stereotype of the angry minority right um so basically if you speak up you are immediately discredited because you are part of that group right um and so to say well like yeah this is just your personal experience like you have no idea so i remember i was given one class we were given the assignment to do a research study and i had to give a survey to Mm -hmm. students and we had we could pick any topic we wanted and i deliberately refused to do any topic on race and ethnicity Mm -hmm. um even though like a natural topic for me and what i was studying because i was studying a lot of like race and immigration Um, At the time and so it would have been like just opportune for me to to ask my fellow classmates in college like uh, questions about how do you experience other like non-white people and where did these things come from. But I didn't want to because I did not want to be the brown girl standing in front of my white peers talking about how you guys, you know, this is what you do. Um, or just s- sharing things that that are interpreted because I'm talking about them as only important to my community, right. right? And so that's the danger too, that if I talk about it, then this is only important to me and right. people with the same experience, when yeah. in reality, like this is something that everyone experiences and you need to be aware of. It's not just a black and white thing. It's not just a Latino white thing. It's not a pe- person of color thing like this a societal is something thing. yes exactly um and so that that's why like i've struggled with it right. because yeah the reality is is that if i'm standing up here or if i'm talking and i belong in that group then it's seen as like niche